Hallelujah. How many are thankful for God's amazing grace this morning? Amen. That grace that sets us free from sin and that grace that sets us free from death and destruction. Amen. You know, I know this is Fourth of July weekend and we're celebrating the freedom that we have as a country and as a nation. But above everything else, we need to be thankful for the grace of God that sets us free from sin. Amen. You see, there's a reality is there's a lot of nations and a lot of countries that don't have the freedoms that we have here in the United States, but they still can enjoy the freedom of God's grace and free from sin. So what I pray that we do is that we use the freedoms that we've been granted in this great nation to proclaim the freedom that we can find from God's love and with God's grace. Amen. Can we just bless the Lord one more time this morning, church? You can go ahead and be seated because I've got a little bit of an intro. The title of my message this morning is, The Pillars Have Fallen. The Lord put this message on my heart about two, three weeks ago when I began to seek His face in regards to the message that He would have me bring this morning. And then last week, there was a couple directions that I felt I could have gone, but last week when the news broke about the Supreme Court ruling in defense of same-sex marriage, the Holy Spirit convicted me even more to bring this word this morning. Before I get into the word and before I journey into the truth that God has given me, I want you to know right up front that this probably is not going to be considered a popular word. It's definitely not going to be a politically correct word. And the reality is, to some individuals, it might be considered an offensive word. But I know that the Word of God offends many people from time to time, and I'm going to preach it anyway. Amen? So if you find it offensive, I pray that you take it up with God, because I'm just here to preach the truth of God's Word this morning. Amen? I've taken the title of my message and the body of my message from the words of Paul in 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 to 15 where he writes and says, I'm writing these words to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I'm delayed, I write to you so that you might know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, who is the pillar and support of the truth. And I'm here this morning, church, to remind us that that's who we are. We are the church of the living God. This building isn't the church of the living God. We are the church of the living God, and we have been called the pillars and support of the truth. And I'm preaching these words and bringing these words to us as a body so that we too might know how we ought to conduct ourselves as the church of the living God and as the household of faith in in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. And how we are to conduct ourselves, not just in the house of God, but out there in society and out there in this world, is as the children of God. Amen? How we are to conduct ourselves out there in the midst of this wicked world is as pillars and support of the truth. Because if you haven't noticed, we are living in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. We're living in the midst of a generation that is no longer pushing the envelope in what is considered socially acceptable or what the social norms are or what is considered acceptable behavior in society. They're no longer pushing the envelope. They've decided to tear that envelope into pieces. And in my opinion now, they're trying to shove it down the church's throat and they're trying to shove it down the the house of God's throat as well. The truth is we are living among an unclean people who are doing what is right in their own eyes. And they're walking in their own ways instead of the ways of God. In the midst of it all, in the midst of all of the carnality, in the midst of all of the corruption, in the midst of all of the crookedness and the wickedness, In the midst of all of the unrighteousness and the perversion that surrounds us, God has called us to be pillars and supports of the truth. But the sad reality is, and what I've based my message on, and why I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to bring this word, is the fact that in my belief, the pillars have fallen. And they've not just fallen in society, 
They've not just fallen in Washington, as we know. They've not just fallen in the school system or in the places of, of education. They've not just fallen in our courts. The sad reality is the pillars of truth have fallen in the house of God as well. I believe they have fallen to the pressures of political correctness. They've fallen to this thing we call tolerance. They, they've fallen to the things of compromise, church. But the Holy Spirit is here this morning calling the church and reminding the church that we have been called to be pillars and supports of the truth regardless of what society says. That we have been called to be defenders of the gospel and adherers of the gospel no matter what society says. The Holy Spirit is here this morning to remind us and to tell us that we are to stop bowing to the Nebuchadnezzars of our society and to begin to stand up for the gospel truth of the Word of God. You see, the reality is there are pressures that surround us. And all of those pressures, what you and I need to understand, that they are motivated by the enemy. They're motivated by Satan and his number one goal is to cause the people of God to bow to his pressures, to bow to political correctness, to to bow to the political climate that he creates around us. I want you to understand this morning that the political climate we find ourselves in has been dictated by the enemy and those pressures have come to cause us to bow. And they've come to cause us to fall and to bend. But I want you to understand this morning that God is looking for some Shadrachs and some Meshachs and some Abednegoes who refuse to bow to the pressures of society. He's looking for some individuals regardless of what anyone else will do. Regardless of what anyone else might say that will stand firm and say, I will not bow to the pressures or to the lies or to the influences of society if they are contrary to the word of God. That's what God is looking for this morning. And the reason he's looking for that church is because God understands that the only ones that have the power to effect change in the heart of the king that have the power to change the heart of a nation or the power to change the heart of a workplace or a community or a neighborhood or the individuals that are willing to stand firm for what thus saith the Word of God. That's what He's looking for. You see, if you don't stand for the Word of God, you cannot have influence over society. You can't have influence over your family. You can't have influence for the kingdom of God. God stands for those who stand for Him. He empowers those who stand for Him. He anoints those who stand for Him. And this morning, God is wondering who is willing to be a pillar that stands up for the truth of God's Word, regardless of what society says. How many of you want to be a pillar for the truth and a pillar for the kingdom this morning? Amen. And what I pray is that your heart is open to receive this word, no matter how hard it might be this morning. My prayer is that I have the power to deliver it and you have the power to receive it. Amen. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer because I don't want to do anything without prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are in this house. I thank you, Father God, for the freedoms that you have given us as a country here in the United States of America, for the freedom that I have today to stand behind this pulpit and preach the Word of God. I know there may be coming a day where that freedom will be taken away, Father God, but while we have that freedom, and even if that freedom is gone, I pray that you will have a people that will continue to stand up for what thus saith the Word of God. No matter what persecutions might come, no matter what opposition might come, I pray that you would empower us and embolden us to be pillars in support of the truth. God, I yield myself to you this morning because I cannot do this on my own. I pray that your spirit would arrest me, Father God, and bring me under your rule and your reign and your authority. I pray that hearts would be open, Father God, to receive your word. And I pray that it would affect change in our life and challenge us to a higher place in the kingdom of God. Come against every distraction. Come against every disruption. Come against all the cares and the concerns and the worries of the week and the day. 
And I pray that you would reign and rule supreme in our lives. We thank you for this word that's about to come. And we receive it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Last week, like I said, if you don't know by now, the majority of the Supreme Court of the United States of America ruled that same-sex marriage is now legal in all 50 states of our nation. It has within its power redefined the definition of marriage and what is considered acceptable or what is to be considered acceptable in our society. The highest court in the land has ruled against the word of the living God, and I believe they have drawn a legal line in the sand which now forces all of the states and all of the courts and may eventually force all of the citizens of this nation to stand on their side of the line which is in support of gay marriage or same-sex marriage. It was a decision that I believe has the potential to bring a persecution on the church and upon God's people like we've never seen before. And I believe it will try to be used to force God's people to bow to its rule and bow to its authority. But before I go any farther, I want you to know that I'm not here to preach politics this morning. I try not to use the pulpit to preach politics. I want to use it to preach the Word of God. I'm not here to preach to the homosexual community. I'm not here to preach to the gay and the lesbian task force. I'm, I'm not here to preach to Washington. I'm not here to preach to Hollywood. I'm not here to preach to Wall Street Church. I'm here to preach to the church of the living God. I'm here this morning to preach to the household of the faith and the body of believers of Jesus Christ. And I am here to defend the gospel of the word of God, the living word of God. I'm here to remind us, church, I'm laying a foundation. I am here to remind you that this is what I'm preaching this morning. I'm preaching the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. I'm here to remind you that the truth that I'm talking about is the righteous truth of God, and it is the holy truth of God. I'm here to remind you that there's not a single error There's not a single lie. There's not a single mistake anywhere in the pages of this gospel. From the front to the back, everything in this word is true. I'm here to remind you this morning that this word was breathed by God and that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. I'm here to remind you that this is the word of God and it is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that's what I'm here to preach this morning. I'm here to remind you that if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ, we have a higher court and we have a higher rule that is to have the final say in everything we do in our lives, including behind closed doors. I want you to understand that what you do behind closed doors is God's business. I want you to know that what you do in your married life and what you do in your marriage bed, what you do sexually, what you do financially, what you do when the lights are out, when you do what you do when no one else is looking, it is all about God's business. If you call yourself a blood-bought believer, then you are saying that I am not my own because I have been bought with a price. And therefore, I am going to glorify God in my body and in my marriage and in my household and in my finances and in everything I do. I am going to glorify God. And what I'm here to remind you this morning is no matter what the court says and no matter what society says, I want you to know that homosexual behavior does not glorify God. I want you to know that lesbian behavior and transgender behavior does not glorify God. I want you to know that sleeping around outside of marriage does not glorify God. Living a lifestyle of addiction and drunkenness does not glorify God. Not according to me, but according to the truth of God's Word. I know that that might be offense to many people, church, but the Word of God tells me that it is only an offense to those who choose to disobey the Word of God. Anyone that's obeying the Word of God won't take umbrance with what I'm preaching this morning. The people that are offended by it and stumble over it, the Word of God tells me, are the ones that disobey it. So be careful when you, you, you disobey God's Word... 
because it'll bring offense and it'll cause you to stumble. But I'm here to remind you this morning that we have a righteous judge that we will all one day stand before. You see, I won't have to stand one day before the Supreme Court of the United States. I might never have to have to stand before the president or any other court of this land. But there is coming a day when every single person that is born and dies, they will one day stand before the righteous King of kings and the Lord of lords, and they will have to give an account of what they've done in their life. And what God will judge them against is this word, church, This will be our judge on that day, whether we have upheld the truth and whether we have lived according to the truth or whether we have lived a lie. Please understand that our code of ethics and our moral structures, they're not supposed to be based on emotions. They're not supposed to be based on feelings or the political climate of the day. You know as well as I do that the political climate will change from day to day or year to year. But we are not supposed to build our moral confines and structures and what is right and wrong on the political climate or the political correctness of the day. We are to build our lives and everything we do based on the Word of God, church. This is our righteous rule and this is our holy rule. And everything we do should be built on this. This is the only truth that matters in our life. Your marriage should be built on this. And when it's not, guess what? It'll fall apart. Because you're giving room to the enemy to come into your life and cause decay. When you, don't, when you don't live according to the truth, you allow the enemy to come in. And listen, the reason that the enemy is making such strides in our country and in our society is because in the house of God, the pillars have fallen. The enemy has recognized the weakness, not just in Washington and not just in Hollywood and not just in our society. The devil has recognized the weakness in the house of God. He has recognized that the pillars have fallen in the house of God. And until we raise them back up and become pillars and supports of the truth, the devil will continue to march forward and bring destruction upon God's people and God's house. We must rise up. And become defenders of the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. Our code of ethics and our moral structures are not to be based on the opinions of man. We're not to build our moral distinctions, church, on anything except the unadulterated, spirit-inspired word of God. One of the things that really amazed me about the court's ruling, the Supreme Court's ruling last week, was how Justice Kennedy, who was the deciding factor in support of gay marriage, in his following opinion, and if you know anything about how they operate, when they're done with their ruling, they all the judges write an opinion that, that explains how they came to their ruling. And Justice Kennedy, who swayed the courts in support of gay marriage, wrote in his following opinion that he based his ruling on emotions that he based his ruling on how he felt towards the gay community instead of on the written law that was already in place. And I'm here to remind us that the sad reality is there's too many people in the house of God that are doing the same exact thing. They are basing their moral structures and confines and belief on opinion or feelings instead of on the written Word of God. They're basing it on how they feel, church, But I'm here to remind you that as Christians, we have not been called to build our life. We've not been called to build our confines and our moral beliefs and values on emotions or feelings. We're to base them on what thus saith the Word of God. And the Word of God makes it clear what is acceptable and unacceptable behavior, church, in society or even in the house of God. And what the Word of God says, and here is where the Word becomes an offense to many people, but what the Word of God says is that homosexual and transgender and lesbian behavior is a sin in the eyes of God. It is not an alternative acceptable lifestyle like society says it is. God says that it is a sin, church, and regardless of what society says, Regardless of what Washington or Hollywood says, God says that it's a sin. The reality is homosexuality and lesbianism and transgenderism and all of these other lifestyles that are being purported in society today, they are perverted lifestyles. 
And I know that, oh, a lot of people are going to get offended and the PC police and, and, and the tolerance touters, they might be offended by that word perverted. But I'm here to remind you that the word perverted means nothing more than abnormal and unacceptable sexual practices and tendencies. Abnormal and unacceptable practices and tendencies, not in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God. And in the eyes of God, I need you to understand this morning that there is nothing normal about a man sleeping with a man. I need you to know this morning that according to the Word of God, amen, you can applaud if you want to, but I'm not here for your applause. I'm here to bless the Lord with the truth. I want you to know that according to the Gospel of God, there is nothing normal about a woman having sexual relations with a woman. There's nothing normal about a man dressing up like a woman or a woman dressing up like a man. There's something abnormal about that according to the Word of God. And I'm not here to mock them. And I'm not here to condemn them. I'm here to give you the understanding that unless you speak the truth to them, they will be enslaved by sin. And they will face God's wrath instead of God's judgment. I'm bringing this Word so they might be set free, church. Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So like I said, I'm not here to preach to that community this morning. I'm here to preach to the household of God who are the people who have the power to effect change in the lives of other individuals through the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. See, I know, like I said, there's a lot of people that believe that these lifestyles are acceptable But according to the Word of God, they are unacceptable practices. They're unacceptable tendencies, church. It is the truth. I'm completely aware that some of these are considered normal and acceptable in the eyes of man and in the eyes of society. But the truth is, they are all unacceptable in the eyes of God. And that's who we will one day give an account to. Like I said earlier, all of us will one day give an account to the King All of us will have to answer to Him. And He is the one that has the sole right to determine what is right and wrong in our lives and in our society, church. Please understand, I'm not here to advocate hatred or violence toward any of those communities. I'm here to remind us that the church of the living God, the household of faith, that this, the Word of God, is to be the ultimate rule and form of authority in and over our lives. If God said it, we have to adhere to it. If God said it, we have to defend it. If God spoke it, then we have to believe that it's truth, church. This must be our benchmark for everything that's right and wrong. Or everything becomes right and nothing becomes wrong. This must be our plumb line. This must be the measuring rod that we measure everything about our life against, church. Everything you do in life has to be measured against this. The way you conduct yourself has to be measured against this. This has to be our measuring rod for what's right and wrong behavior in our marriage, in our family, in our businesses, in every walk of our life. This must be the measuring rod that we measure everything against church, in society, in the house of God, and in our lives. The reason society is decaying, the reason that our moral fabric is unraveling faster than ever is because everyone's doing what is right in their own eyes instead of in the eyes of God. If it feels good, do it. They're self-determining. Please grasp this. Our society is at the place where they're self-determining what's right and what's wrong, what's acceptable and what's unacceptable, what's normal and what's abnormal instead of the Word of God. And the reason that we're so divided over the issues of like homosexuality and abortion and drug abuse all across the nation, church, is because the Word of God is no longer the measuring rod for what's right or what's wrong. The pillars of absolute truth have fallen in the house of God. So society has run run amok and they're doing what is right in their own eyes instead of in the eyes of God. It's all about what we feel today instead of about what God says. 
You see, the reality is there's a lot of individuals that would rather change the Word of God than to change their lifestyle. They'd rather change the Word of God than to change their own heart or change their habits or change their mind about things. But this is the the truth of God's Word, and this should never be changed to accommodate us. But it's what's happening left and right all across the land. We're changing the Word of God just to accommodate ourselves so that we don't have to take a stand So that we can be politically correct, church, the reality is without a righteous benchmark, without an absolute truth to live by, without a righteous judge who is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of every heart, without a truth that's immovable, without a truth that's unshakable, without a truth that has the power to pierce into the hearts of men, without a living and active uh, truth that's more powerful than any two-edged sword, everything becomes right and acceptable and normal in the eyes of man. And it's exactly where we are. They've taken the truth out of the courts. They've taken the truth out of the schools. They've taken the truth out of the educational institutions. And we wonder why they're falling apart. Because unless you are grounded upon the truth... We give room for the devil and we give room for the enemy, church. We must be defenders of the gospel and supporters of the gospel truth. But without this truth, everything becomes acceptable in our society. And that's called hedonism. It's not called Christianity. Hedonism is all about how I feel. Feelings and my personal pleasures are the, are the greatest good of society. We can't live that way. Because that means, listen, God said if you are to come after me, you must deny yourself. You must take up the cross and you must follow me. And the reality is, in order for us to follow Christ, we have to deny our own personal desires. We have to, we have to deny our own personal pleasures, church. We must deny ourselves. But hedonism says, feed yourself. If it feels good, do it. I think that was a Nike slogan years ago. Something said that, if it feels... But that's what society says. But we, as children of the Most High God, we have to understand that no matter how we feel about it, or no matter what my personal opinion might be, if it is contrary to the Word of God, we cannot cannot uphold it. We have to uphold the truth of God. Listen, if you call yourself a Christian... You must have an absolute truth in your life or your life as a Christian is a lie. I'll say it again. If you call yourself a Christian, you must have an absolute truth in your life or your life as a Christian is a lie. Listen, I don't want my life to be a lie. I want my life to be a reality and the the truth and and something that God can use. I want to be a a good vessel that's fit and ready for every good work, but I can't be fit and ready unless I'm ready to defend the gospel, unless I'm ready to stand up for the truth of God's Word, church. We're living in a society today where everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. And they would rather change the Word of God than change their lifestyle. And if we stand up for the Word of God and you stand up for the Word of God, you're going to be called a bigot. You're going to be called old-fashioned. You're going to be called whatever, a lot of different names. I want you to understand, they call Jesus a lot of names and the disciples a lot of names as well. But they continued to stand up for the truth and they affected change because of it. According to Paul, Christians are supposed to be pillars and supports of the truth of the Word of God We're to be advocates for the truth. We're to be defenders of the truth. And we are to be adherers of the truth. And there's a big difference. Listen, you can agree with the truth, and that's great. But God is looking for individuals that are willing to live the truth. He's he's looking for individuals that are willing to stand up for the truth, no matter what anybody else says. And it might put you in a fiery furnace in the process. But God is looking for some individuals that don't just say, oh yeah, I agree with that. He's looking for some individuals that are willing to defend that, church. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm trying to defend the gospel truth of the Word of God. 
Amen. Amen. According to Paul, we are supposed to be pillars in support of the truth. But the sad reality is, like I said, the pillars have not just eroded and fallen in society. And in the places that I mentioned before, they've eroded and fallen in the house of God as well. And then we wonder why the power isn't there. We wonder why the, 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 the power of God isn't moving through the church like it used to. We wonder why the miracles and the signs and the wonders aren't taking place in the house of God like they used to. And it's because we are not pillars like we used to be. It's because we're not defenders of the gospel like we used to be. We, we're laying down to the political pressures of society. We're laying down uh, when the enemy comes against us. We're bending our knees and bending our hearts and we're toppling over because of the persecution that comes our way. Because we don't want to be called names. But I don't care what man calls me. I care what God calls me. And one day what I want to hear when I stand up before the Lord is I want to hear, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. He's willing to defend the gospel and I hope that you're willing to do the same thing, church. But to those who have exchanged the truth for a lie, it's what's happening. Even in the house of God, we're exchanging the truth for a lie. We're calling good evil and evil good. And in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to His people and He says, Woe! Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Woe to those. He is speaking a judgment over the individuals that call darkness light and light darkness and, and good evil and evil good and what's, accept, what's unacceptable, acceptable. What's abnormal, normal, it's happening in the house of God. We're calling good evil and evil good. We're calling what's abnormal, normal. We're calling what is unacceptable in the eyes of God, acceptable, church. And God is speaking and saying, Woe to those who do such a thing, who have exchanged light for darkness and darkness for light. Woe to those who have compromised the gospel Woe to those who are playing pat cake from the pulpit and serving cotton candy sermons on Sunday instead of preaching the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth because they want to fill up the pews and make the people feel happy. But God is looking for a holy people. He's not looking for a happy people because this Christian journey isn't always happy. This Christian journey is hard, church. We forget what the disciples had to go through in defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were beaten. They were battered. They were bruised. They were put in prison cells. They were flogged. They were whipped. They were stoned. They were put up on a cross because of preaching the truth. And the Bible tells me that we too, when we defend the gospel, we will be persecuted as well. But great is the reward for those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Listen, it is always a good thing to stand up for righteousness. It is always a bad thing to bow to unrighteousness and the pressures of this world. Because if you stand up for God, God will stand up for you. Amen. Amen. Listen, I know that there's a lot of people who believe that it's all about grace. That we as God's people are supposed to be all about grace. That the church is supposed to be all about grace. And you know what? They're absolutely right. It is all about grace. Because if it wasn't for grace, none of us would be here this morning. If it wasn't for grace, none of us would be in His house this morning. We would all still be lost in darkness and we would all still be lost in sin. If it wasn't for God's grace, I'd still be lost in my selfishness and in my lust and in my pride and in my greed. I'd still be wandering out there in the darkness. I'd still be piddling around in the pig pens of life. If it wasn't for God's grace, church, that would be me out there. It's grace that turned my life around. 
It's grace that pulled me up out of the miry clay. It's grace that transformed my life. It's grace that made me a new creation where old things have passed away and all things have become new, church. So please hear me loud and clear this morning. I know that it's all about grace because I'm a product of God's amazing grace. I once was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was the individual playing in the pig pen. But thank God, God's grace came along and it took me out of my sin. And it brought me out of darkness and it brought me out of my mess, church. And thank God, God's grace pulled you out of your slop as well. Amen? Because it's all about grace. Every single one of us are a product of God's amazing grace. But if you think grace gives us a license to sin, if you think God's grace gives us an excuse to sin, if you think God's grace gives us a license to live contrary to God's Word, you don't know grace, church. Because Romans 2.4 tells me that God's grace leads us to repentance. And that's not a word we hear much today anymore. Amen, church? God's grace leads us to repentance. It leads us to that place of brokenness over our sin and that place of brokenness over our sinful condition, church. God found me in a mess like He found you, but it was His grace that brought us out of that sin, church. It didn't leave us there. What good would grace be if it left us in our mess? What good would grace be if it left me in my lust? If it left me in my addictions or it left me in my greed or if it left me in wherever any of us might have been when God's shown His grace into our life? What good would grace be if it left us where we were? God's grace came into our lives not to leave us where we are. It came into our lives so that our lives might be changed by the power of His grace. But like I said earlier, there's too many of us who would rather change His Word than change our ways. We'd rather make excuses for our behavior than than repent over our behavior. But God's true grace leads us to repentance It leads us to that place where our heart becomes broken and contrite over the sinful condition or lifestyle that we're living in. It drops us to our knees like the publican in the temple who one day cried out after recognizing his sinful condition, Have mercy on me, O God, a sinner! He recognized his sinful condition. And it's what set him free. And the reality is, any of us, that are living a lifestyle that is contrary to the Word of God, need to do the same exact thing. We need to repent over our sin so that we might find freedom from it, church. Grace leads us to confessing our sins, not excusing them. It causes us to turn away from our sins instead of continuing in them. It leaves us away from the ungodly lifestyles that we're finding ourselves in. Back to the Father who washes us and cleanses us. Grace leads us to repentance. It doesn't leave us there. I think about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. I think that was her lifestyle, church. I don't think that this was just one momentary act for her. I believe this woman was living a lifestyle of sin. She was living a lifestyle of sexual impurity that was displeasing to the Father. And she was brought before the crowd to be executed and stoned to death. But Jesus shows up on the scene. Grace made flesh shows up on the scene. And he says to the crowd that surrounded her, He who is without sin, cast the first stone. Be careful about casting stones. Be careful about casting stones at the homosexual community and the lesbian community and the transgender community because no one knows your mess better than you do. No one knows your own junk better than you do other than the Holy Spirit. 
Nobody knows better than you what you do behind dark doors. Nobody knows beyond you the the wickedness that you harbor in your heart and the battle that takes place to do the right thing, church. Be careful about casting stones into the darkness when you might have darkness of your own in your heart. He was without sin, cast the first stone. And he looks at the woman and says, where are your accusers? Where are your condemners? Neither do I condemn you. They all left. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. But please grasp this. Jesus didn't leave her in her sin. He said, go and sin no more. He offered grace But he said, please now use my grace to keep you from sinning. Use my grace to turn your life around. Use my grace to become a pillar in support of the truth. Use my grace to change your lifestyle and to change your habits. But the sad reality is in the house of God, we abuse God's grace and we use it as a a license to continue in sin instead of falling to our knees and saying, God, how amazing is that grace that you've bestowed upon me, that you're giving me the opportunity to move forward in my life free from sin and free from wrath and free from judgment. And I'm going to use that grace to change my life and change my lifestyle and change my habits, church. That's what God's amazing grace does. It doesn't leave us where we are. It calls us and brings us to a place of change. Listen, I know that there's a lot of people among us, including me, who have friends and family who are living maybe homosexual lifestyles or lesbian lifestyles or transgender lifestyles, church. And we are to love them. We are not to despise them. We're not to throw stones at them. We're not to purport violence against them or hatred towards them. We are to love them. But here's what you and I need to understand. My love without their repentance won't keep them from God's judgment. My love, without their brokenness of heart, it will not keep them from God's judgment. Church, listen, the sad reality is, in the house of God, we are loving people straight to hell. We're loving people right into the fires of darkness and into the fires of destruction and into the fires of wrath because we're loving them instead of confronting them with the truth. If you love them, speak the truth to them, church. It's the only thing that has the power to set them free. You shall know the truth. And the truth will set them free. It'll set them free from sin. It'll set them free from the enemy. It'll set them free from darkness, from wrath, and from the coming judgment of God. If you love the homosexual, speak the truth. If you love the lesbian, speak the truth. If you love the transgender, speak the truth, but speak it in love. Don't be that guy that stands out at the street corner condemning them to hell right away, church. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him and turns from their wicked ways shall find life, church. Listen, I'm not here to purport any kind of hatred towards any kind of individual. I am here to tell you that we must become defenders and adherers of the truth. We speak the truth. The truth is what has the power to set them free. Don't mock them. Don't hate them. Don't do harm to them. Lead them to the truth, church, and pray that the Holy Spirit leads them to the place of repentance. You see, the reality is someone was praying for you. And it brought you to a place of repentance. Someone was praying to me and it brought me to a place of repentance where I was willing to confess my sins and say, God, forgive me so that I might have life. That's what we need to pray, church, that the Holy Spirit lead them as well. As I begin to wind this down, I'm even going to call them to the music. Paul said this, I'm writing these things to you so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the pillar and support of the truth. That's how you and I are supposed to be conducting ourselves 
as the church of the living God and as pillars and supports of the truth. We're supposed to be supporting the truth, church, of God's Word. But you know what we're supporting? We're supporting the garbage of Hollywood. We're supporting the TV shows that glamorize and popularize and normalize unbecoming behavior in society. We're supporting music and we're supporting pop stars and Hollywood stars and athletes and and all sorts of Hollywood uh, individuals, church, that are glamorizing and popularizing lifestyles that are unbecoming to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are supposed to be supporters of the truth, church, defenders of the truth. We need to be teaching our kids the truth. We need to be adhering to the truth. They need to have an example. They need to hear the voice of truth, church, or all that they will know is a lie. And see, what the devil will try to do, he will try to intimidate you into a place of silence. Try to intimidate you into that place where you think, well, they'll teach them at church. They'll share that in youth group or they'll share that in children's church. God's called you to be a pillar. He's called you to be a support of the truth. You're the individual that your kids should be able to lean on and look to. You're the individuals that they should be able to understand from what is truth and what is a lie, what is unacceptable and what is acceptable, church. And they watch what you watch. They listen to what you listen to. They listen to what you laugh at and what you allow to come forward into your house, church. My God, we allow things through our TV set into our house that we would never allow through our front door. We allow individuals, listen, if you're watching a show that has a homosexual or a lesbian character in it, you need to turn it off. Because you need to be a pillar in support of the truth, church. And your kids need to understand the truth. Don't leave it up to the church because you're part of the church. They need to have someone that they can learn from and build a stable life upon church because if we don't teach them, the world will teach them. And the world is teaching them. The world is polluting and perverting the truth every single day. And it's time for the people of God It's time for the church of the living God to raise up the pillars once again and stand up for the truth. See, this morning we sang, and I love this song, and I sang the song, God bless America, God bless the USA. But I want you to understand what's behind that church. I want you to understand that if we want God to bless the United States of America... If we want His grandeur and His goodness and His blessings to be bestowed upon us as a nation and us as a people, then we must get back to standing up for the truth, church. That's why God blesses His people. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We have to be able to defend the gospel and we need to stand up for the truth if we want God's blessings and goodness in our life. We hear all the time about revival. Oh, we need revival in the house of God. We need the fire of God to fall. And we want to see miracles and signs and wonders. And listen, I do too. But I'm telling you this morning, unless there is a restoration of truth in the house of God, revival won't come. The only thing that will exist without the truth of God's Word is a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. I'm sad to announce this morning that there is a lot of churches that just go through the motions every single Sunday. They have the form of godliness and they're dressed up nice and they sing great songs, but there's no power there because they have not stood up for what thus saith the Word of God. If we want revival in our lives, if we want God to bless us, If we want His goodness to be bestowed upon us, church, we must be willing to draw a line in the sand and say, choose this day who you will serve like Joshua did. You see, Joshua stood before a nation who was teetering on what is acceptable and not acceptable and teetering on who they're going to serve. They began to fall away from the the truth of God's Word and, and, and... Jehovah as king. 
And Joshua stood before them and he said, Choose this day who you will serve. But he also stood there and he said, Regardless of what you all do, regardless of what you all say, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And you know what I had to say this morning? I had to say before getting up here, this is not an easy word, church. I hope you know that. I hope you know the struggles that I had to go through to just have enough courage to bring this word to you this morning. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I had to say that same exact thing. God, regardless of what the church does, regardless of how they respond, regardless of what they cling to and what they push away, as for me, God, I'm going to stand up for the truth. As for me, I'm going to preach the gospel this morning. Amen. And that's what I'm going to close with right here. I'm going to close with the first three words of Joshua to the people. As for me. Because it doesn't matter what your house does if you're not doing it. Dad, it doesn't matter what your kids do and your spouse do if you're not doing it. It doesn't matter if they come to church and I know you're here. Maybe you're watching at home and you're not here. But it doesn't matter what others do. Joshua started with himself. And he said, as for me, I will serve the Lord. As for me, I will be a pillar. As for me, I will stand for the truth. As for me, I will be a voice crying in the wilderness because the reality is this, church, no one else might stand. Your spouse might not stand. Your parents might not stand. Your neighbor might not stand. Your friends might not stand. But God is wondering this morning if you're one that's willing to say, as for me... I will be a pillar and support of the truth of God's Word. So the question is this morning, who's willing to be a pillar this morning? If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. Amen? If you're willing to be a pillar for the truth of God's Word, I know that this is a, an abnormal ending. And in the first service, I wondered what in the world kind of song they're going to sing after preaching a word like this. But they have a song. And all God is wanting to know this morning is if you're willing to cross the line of political correctness, if you're willing to cross the line of man's opinion to be a defender of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to do the same thing that I did in the first service. The courts drew a line in the sand last week. They drew a legal line in the sand and they took a position and said, we're standing on this side. On this side is what we call acceptable, and on that side is unacceptable. Joshua did the same exact thing. He drew a line in the sand, and he said, choose this day who you're going to serve. And he called the people of God to cross that line as a demonstration of their willingness to proclaim to everybody that I'm going to stand up for God. I'm choosing this day who we will serve. I'm doing the same thing this morning. I'm drawing a line. And I'm just going to simply ask if you're willing to cross that line and say, I will be a pillar in support of the truth. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar so I can pray for all of you that you be empowered and you be equipped. If you're here this morning and you say, God, as for me, I will be a pillar. I just want you to come forward and make that proclamation as they sing. You come and then we're going to pray and offer yourself to God as a pillar of truth.